Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Leviticus 16, verse 21, just want to read one verse of scripture. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. I thought about maybe calling this Yeo Goat, but uh, rather today I'd like, you know, I'd like to just concentrate upon the words, a fit man. Everybody say a fit man. A fit man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, help us today. God, I'm in need of your help this morning. God, my mind, Lord, let it be stayed upon you. Help us, God, to share something, God, that may be beneficial, God, to the men in this assembly, God, on this Lord day. I pray, oh, Lord, educate us, Lord, through and by your word, God, that by the time that we're finished here this morning, hopefully there is a message, God, that can be laid, Lord Jesus, to us, that we can apply, that it can be, Lord, applicable, Lord Jesus, to our own lives. God, share with us, Lord Jesus, your good book. I pray, Lord, it will help educate us. It will help guide us and instruct us. Lord, I love and appreciate you, Lord, for all these things. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated uh, this morning. You may be seated this morning. I don't know how every other man is in this building, but I'll speak for myself today. That there are times that I have ambitions and there are times that even uh, in moments of prayer that I talk to God about myself. And I talk to God about the various roles and the various duties that I have as a man or an individual. There are times, Brother Fred McGee, that whenever I pray, I'm praying to God and I'm saying, God, I want, I want to be, God, help me to be a good father. Help me to be a good father, a good father to my children, Lord. I, I want them to know that they, they are important to me. I want to be involved in their life. I want that whenever they grow older, they'll have fond memories of an involved, active father in their life, a father that was there, that cared for them, that made them feel protected, that made them feel loved, that made them feel appreciated. And, and I'll go to another row and I'll say, God, make, make me a good husband. I want to be a good husband. I, I, want, I want to be the provider for my wife. I want to protect her. I want to honor her. I want to cherish her. I, I want her to know that my love and my affection is only for her, that she's not dealing with any type of divided allegiance, but my, my affection and my love is only for her. I want to be a good husband. And, and I say, God, I want to be a good employee. I'm an employee. I'm a pastor. God's my boss. And I want to be a good employee. And I believe that would somehow be resounded throughout all the men today you know there's something about being among your peers in the place of employment and that supervisor that one over you saying that this is a man that can be trusted this is a man that does good work and just desire to be a good employee want want to be able to be the best pastor that I can be and somehow let the people know that it can, can connect with them and they can depend upon me and we all have those type of prayers but sometimes I wonder in all those different divisions that I pray Bishop that if it couldn't just be satisfied and summed up just with one prayer and that would be Lord just just help me be the best man 
that I can be. Just, just help me be the best man that I can be. Because surely if we begin to analyze the source of every good father is a, it's just a good man. Uh, the origin of every wonderful husband that the wife just adores is really just a tremendous man maybe or a, a good employee that, that works hard and he's dependable and he's faithful and he's there and you can count on him and you don't have to worry about him lying or cheating or bending the rules. A, a great employee is just found in the roots maybe sometimes of just a great man and though at times we have aspirations and ambitions to be the best that we can be, want to be the best father, want to be the best husband, want to be the best employee, best uncle, whatever the label may be, sometimes just simply being the best man would be enough, wouldn't it? I mean, the Bible says that they deem Jesus as a prophet occasionally in the New Testament scripture. In other places, they labeled him as the teacher. He's the rabbi, the Bible says. But the Bible says that whenever he spoke, that they said these words, Never a man spake like this man. When God wanted to bridge the gap between himself, him, and humanity, he sent his son. Other people called that son, that boy, the Messiah. Some even thought him to be the king of the Jews. According to his disciples, they said the people said that that's Isaiah or that's Jeremiah or that's one of the prophets. Herod thought maybe perhaps John the Baptist had arisen from the dead, but clearly stated in 1 Timothy 2, 5, the Bible says that God or Jesus rather was the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And it's surprisingly, but there's almost a gasp in my spirit sometimes, even as I read scripture. And the Bible would state these words. It's just kind of overwhelming to think of that God at times hearkened to the voice of a man. Amen. Just to the voice of a man. No titles associated with him. Uh, no, other, no other offices associated with him but just recognized him as the core of the individual that he was. He was a man. And you dress us up. Call us whatever you want to call us. Father, employee, whatever. For all of us in these different classes and different social classes for that basis. But when we boil us all down we still come just to one thing. We're men. Someone say, I'm a man. Yet I asked today and I posed the question, is being a man enough? Does manhood fit the bill? Does being of the male gender satisfy every demand that's placed upon man? Is a man's presence enough for his children? Is it enough for his beautiful wife? Is it enough for his employer the bible reads in leviticus 16 it's recording one of if not the the best day of the year it was the day of atonement scripture relates to us it was the day that the sins of the nation of israel were dealt with the sins of the nation were taken away dealt with pushed forward if you will one other year as the story would go there are two goats that are involved in this scenario of dealing with the sin of the children of Israel. One of the goats, they're going to cast lots. One of the goats are going to be sacrificed for the sins of the nation as a sin offering. The other goat is going to be kept alive. And that high priest is going to place both of his hands upon the head of that goat. 
and impute unto that goat the sins of all of the nation upon the head of that goat. Both of these goats, the one that is sacrificed and the one that is still alive with the imputed sins of the nation upon its head, would be come to be a picture of the man, Christ Jesus, in New Testament Scripture, that likewise was slain for our sins and laid to his charge was the sins of the human race, laid, imputed upon him. And that's a tremendous picture. That's a picture that we could stop right now and begin to preach about and talk about his atoning work and his atoning sacrifice and the blood that was shed and how that's applicable to us. A tremendous picture, a tremendous message to uphold even for us still yet today. However, in that setting of scripture, there is a small detail at times that is overlooked. And that is that sin-ridden goat upon whose head was imputed the sins of the nation was sent away along with those sins by the hand, the Bible says, of a fit man into the wilderness. Everybody say a fit man. Different translations of the Bible render that as this, a man standing by and ready. A man who is timely. A man that is appointed. A man who will be waiting there. A man appointed to do it. A man appointed for the task. A man who is in readiness. A man specially chosen for the task. A suitable man. In the Hebrew, the word fit means timely. It means ready. It means opportune. It means at hand. Tradition says that this man would be made known that he was going to do this office because this is something that happened every year, that he was going to have this role and this responsibility. He would know to the degree of a year ahead of time before it ever happened. And it would be by this man that the goat, that the sins of the nation was imputed to, that he would take this goat and he would take it and he was fit for the purpose. He knew the wilderness that he was to let him go in. He knew the journey of about 12 miles, they say it was, that he would take into the wilderness. He knew the paths how to get there. He knew how to get back. He was suitable to dispose such a service. He was a fit man. He was a ready man. He was a at-hand man. He was there. Not only did he suffice in the action that he was of the male gender, but he was also a present man. He was a there man. He was a present man. He was a fit man. He was a at hand man. Amen. He was present. And evidently he was appointed for the task. He was appointed for the purpose. It was his job description. It was his responsibility. It was his obligation. But I believe more than anything concerning all of the adjectives and all of the requirements laid upon this man, the thing that shines forth the most in my mind is that he was a ready man. I know, I understand today that we, you can look up the statistics and I'm not here with the news, the bad news, but you can look up the statistics and we can see, we can see if you will, the downfall of having no father in the life of generations that have went by. You hear about the absenteeism of fathers, fathers that are not there and the impact that that has upon a generation coming up, how that impacts them emotionally and impacts them in their own families. It is far reaching for a father not to be there 
but I've come to preach on this Sunday morning that you can be there and still not be there. You can be present, you can be around, but still not be there. What we need in this day and hour, taking our cue from our Heavenly Father, is not just a man. That's great to be a man, but we need more than just men today. We need more people than just of the male gender, and we need more fathers than just going to be there. We need somebody that's going to be ready, ready to involve, ready to take action, ready to do whatever is needful to be done. They was a ready man that did that. If I could say it like this, he was a, he was a minute man. According to historians, the history of our nation may have been written in a different way had it not been for the minute man or the ready in a minute men of that day. The beginning of our nation, 13 colonies on the East Coast that broke away from Britain. Amen, would have been totally different. They're there and they're still under great, they're under England's command and under England's wing as they begin to form their 13 colonies. But now they find themselves being taxed for a French and Indian war that they did not ask for, but because of Britain's involvement, fought on the America soil. As a result of that, it costs a lot of money. Anytime you have war, it costs money. And it costs them a lot of money. And they wanted then to tax the 13 colonies as a result of it. Although the 13 colonies did not ask for the war, since it was fought upon their soil, they thought you're going to be responsible for paying for the war. And as a result of that, there was some cross swords then between the 13 colonies and Britain that would later evolve into our world history what we know as the Revolutionary War. But long before there was ever the Revolutionary War, there were Minutemen. One of the colonies of the 13 that we would come to know even today as the state of Massachusetts. Amen. The most tenacious of the 13 colonies. They was organizing militias. They were organizing Minutemen all the way back in the mid-1600s. And so whenever the Revolutionary War broke out, they had over 100 years of experience that had already been forged in their militias, already been forged in their Minutemen. The first great battle test of the Minutemen was the battles you've heard maybe from years ago in history when you were in school of Lexington and Concord in 1775 but the order amen of having a militia was ordered by the government they should have a militia and it was ordered that a third of the militia should be comprised of Minutemen but let me declare well that Minutemen were far different rather than just any other militia member while the militia was was required by law to serve. The men and men were volunteers. The men and men trained far more frequently than just the ordinary man in a militia. The militia only trained about once or twice every few months on average, but the men and men trained two or three times per week. Men and men were expected to keep their arms close to them, their weaponry close to them, equipped at all times in the event of alarm, an event of a battle, an event of a tragedy, if you will, ready at a moment's notice to march and to go forward. The men of men. Was it just like any other man in the militia? Amen. That practiced here and there. Amen. That when the alarm was sound, it took him just a little bit longer to respond to the call. Men of men, you make the call. We're there. We're not just present. We're not just men. But we're ready men. 
We're men at men. We're fit men. We understand from the battle of Concord and the battle of Lexington that the British were marching to Concord. But before they could ever get to Concord, they were met according to history by about 77, not militia men, but 77 minute men at Lexington. It would be at that strategic spot as it would call in history the shot that was heard around the world took place. And there's still a lot of controversy where the shot came from. But whether the day was set and done, there were more British that died than there were of the 13 colonies. Why? Because there was a group of 77 men that said, I hear that there's trouble. I hear that there's something going on. We're gonna rise and be ready and act and take action. I'm here to tell you today, there is still trouble all around. We live in a society of great woe. We cannot somehow be sitting down trying to strategize a plan. We gotta be ready when the trouble comes as men to react, as men to be there, as men to be ready. Let me tell you right now, I know that teenage years are our contemplative years. I know teenage years are hard years. Let me tell you something. I'm not sitting right now, amen, waiting till my kids to get there to think about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to react, what I'm going to say. Right now, I'm already making a plan. Right now, I'm all, what are you doing? I'm trying to be a fit man. I'm trying to be a ready man. I can't just be present during that time. I got to be ready. I got to involve. I got to engage. Someone say amen. It was only after that bishop that Congress would say, all you other colonies, every single one of you better have a group of minute men. Not just a militia, but every single one of you need to have a group of minute men. What are you saying? They were saying it's not enough just to have men in your colony. It's not enough just to have a militia that practices just every other month or whenever, but they'll show up whenever the need arises. He says, you need to have some men that's ready before there's ever even a need. Someone say hallelujah. In 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 10, the Bible says this is the story of David and Goliath. The Bible says, this is Goliath speaking. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. He said, give me a man that we may fight together. As the record would be each day, he would go and he would call, give me a man. Give me a man. But notice his words. That would fight. That we may fight together. The Bible tells us before the scenario of David and Goliath in the valley of Elah, that for 40 days, each army, the Philistine army, the Israelite army, for 40 days, they had been compassing their mountains for 40 days. Can I say it like this? That from the onset of the battle, from the onset of that war, there were men in the vicinity to hear the challenger's voice day in and day out saying, give me a man. 
There were men scattered along the hillsides that were there every day that heard the challenger's voice. Amen. So certainly within the statement of Goliath was more of a requirement than just being a man because there were men scattered all around on those hillsides. It was more than there just being a present man because there were men present within earshot of his voice and his challenge. But I believe his call of give me a man that we might fight together was pregnant with meeting. It was a request for a man that not could but would fight. He wasn't looking for a man that just could, but he was looking for a man that was willing. He was looking for a man that was ready. He was looking for a man that would be involved. He was looking for a man to engage himself. Someone say yes. He wasn't looking for the most athletic man. He wasn't necessarily looking for a warrior, but he was looking for a man that would be ready, a man that would take action, a man that would fight. There were warriors all around, but none of them were a ready man, ready to take action, ready to fight, fit, ready. He needed a fit man, an eager man. This thing just doesn't happen by accident. This thing just doesn't happen by accident. Families reared. Amen. Wives loved. Children appreciated. Amen. Felt highly of. In the eyes of their fathers and men. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen because, hallelujah, you had somebody called your wife that got pregnant as a result of that. It appointed you to a father. Amen. It takes more than that appointment of fatherhood and more than being a male. Amen. To somehow be a fit man. You gotta be ready. You gotta take action. You gotta be involved. It takes that in this hour. Every man in earshot of that challenge. None of them were a minute men like David. David's ready. He hasn't been there for 40 days. But the day that he shows up and the call's made, he's ready. Why? Because readiness is a way of David's life. I watch over sheep for a living. I never know when a lion's coming. I never know when a bear's coming. Well, how in the world are you successful in those fights? Because I'm always ready. Amen. Can I speak today? Amen. The people sitting under the sound of my voice of every individual. If you're not a father yet, if you're not a dad yet, let me tell you, the time to get ready is not whenever it's upon you. You need to be somehow being ready now. Being ready now on the backside of the pasture. Amen. For that moment, we must, we must be ready. David said, I was ready in the pasture watching my father's sheep. I never knew when the next predator was coming. I just had to be ready. It meant more than me being a man. It meant more than me being there among the phone I had to be ready someone say yes David Johnson police officer in San Jose he wrote a book concerning his Experience as a street cop. He had just finished a call. He and another partner by the name of Frank climbed into their police cars and they were headed back out on the road 
whenever the radio, the dispatcher called in and said that there was a young boy that was missing from his residence. He was two years old. He was wearing tennis shoes. He had coveralls that was upon him, had a light blue T-shirt. Evidently, his mother had fallen asleep and discovered the boy missing just 15 minutes later after she awoke from her sleep. His partner, Frank, acknowledged the call, began to drive to that address. And uh, it was then Dave that responded as well, said he would go and help in search looking for that boy. And then their sergeant by the name of Dennis said that he would go and respond to the call as well. And then suddenly the dispatcher alerted them and said the lost boy has been located in the next door neighbor's swimming pool. Adrenaline pumped through both of those policemen as they hit their lights on. He meant to rush to where this residence was, where this boy was in the neighborhood swimming pool, next door neighbor's swimming pool. They got there, they accelerated there. The one who was Dave, was a Christian, he said he began to pray, just hoping that the people that found the boy knew CPR and would start administering to revive him. They rounded the corner near where the address was and they seen out in the front of the yard several men that were in front of the house and their, their sergeant was just getting out of the car and talking to these men and they suddenly saw their sergeant boat toward the, the gate at the side of the house and as Frank and, and, and Dave got closer, one of the men pointed and they said, the boy's in the pool in the backyard. He said, I could hardly believe what I was hearing. He said, we ran through the narrow side backyard. As we rounded the corner, we could see our sergeant pulling the boy's limp body out of the pool. He laid the boy on the cold concrete. He started administering CPR. He said, Frank knelt down to help. And so there's Frank and there's Dennis. They're over and hovering over this motionless body. He says, I didn't have anything else to do except watch. It was a hard thing. He said, for me as a police officer, not to do anything but just to watch in this life and death situation. He said, I, I searched for some type of expression on the boy's face, any sign of life that might flicker there. He said, I, it's all I could do. He said, all I could do is look at those coveralls that little two-year-old boy was in, hanging on that wet body. And, and I remember my kids that age that were in coveralls like that. And I seen his small tennis shoes there one of his shoes were untied and I began to wonder is anybody ever going to be able to bow down and tie that boy's shoestrings again and he said I desperately tried to choke back all that was in the lump of my, my, my throat and I walked a few paces away and, and somehow got myself back together and, and I wiped my eyes and I put my handkerchief in my pocket and then I saw four men that were standing and watching Dennis and Frank work and I recognized they were the very same four men that were in the front yard when we arrived. He said, I felt anger well up inside of me. And I said, who found the boy in the pool? He said, they hung their heads. They stared at the ground. He said, the fire department got there. They got the oxygen mask on the boy. His expression had not changed. He said, they took over. He said, Dennis was still kneeling there, softly just stroking the face of that small child softly just stroking the hand that was closed staring into that lifeless face and he said I looked up again at those four men that were standing there in the group and they suddenly just turned around and walked out of the yard none of them saying a word four men in the front yard they were present Some of them may have even been fathers. It's unknown. 
They may have been the ones that found the boy in the pool. But he was still in the pool. When the police got there, for that two-year-old boy that day, being a man wasn't enough. For being that two-year-old boy that day, being there wasn't enough. He needed somebody that was ready. He needed somebody that could have been involved. He needed somebody that could take action. I declare to this first apostolic church today, there is a generation coming behind us. They're laying face down in a pool of perversion. They're laying face down in a pool of confusion. They're laying face down in a pool of iniquity. And it's gonna take more than just a man. It's gonna take more than us just being present. It's gonna take us being involved, us being engaged, us being ready. It's a life-threatening condition that's on the generation behind us but I gotta be more than just a man (laughs) you gotta be ready sometimes at a moment's notice to expend ourselves possibly Perhaps, perchance, a different outcome will come about than what seems to be forecasted. Got to be ready. Man alone, that just doesn't do it sometimes. Being there alone, that just doesn't do it sometimes. Having the appointment of a father or, or a husband, that just doesn't do it sometimes. You got to be ready. You got to be a fit man. David, in Scripture, is considering taking a leave and I say a leave I break it up like that I'm not talking about some medication for a headache All right. he's considering taking a leave because his son Absalom is on some rampage he's seeking to usurp the throne of his father and with this David has many servants that's within his kingdom and in 2 Samuel 15, 15 the Bible says and the king's servants these are the servants of David and the king's servants said Unto the king, they say, Behold, you can look at the scripture for the reference. Behold, thy servants, behold, thy servants are ready. Look at this. He said, These are the servants of David. And they're saying, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my Lord the king shall appoint. Everybody's attention up here. Don't be distracted. He said, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my Lord the King shall appoint. Something I want you to realize concerning this scripture. The servants' readiness was not certified by their appointment. In other words, it's not you appoint and I'll be ready. They were ready and they say you appoint. It doesn't matter what you appoint me to do. Whatsoever it is you appoint me to do. They said We're ready. Without any designation of an appointment yet, they're saying, we're ready. The quality of those servants were really seen, not in what office they were appointed to, but in the fact that whatsoever office they would be appointed to, they would be ready. Men, our appointment, whether our appointment's father, whether our appointment's husband, grandfather, uncle, whether our appointment is fiance, 
whatever our appointment may be, it, your appointment in and of itself will not make you ready. Your readiness must precede even your appointment of being a father. Your appointment of being a grandfather. Your appointment of being a husband or being a fiance. Look at the scripture. Understand from Leviticus 16 from what I read today. That we stand where we stand today. Because of the man Christ Jesus. Peter told us Christ leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Christ leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Because not only did the sacrificial goat, not only did the goat that was alive, that had the sins imputed upon its head, not only were they, listen to me now, not only were they a picture of the man, Christ Jesus, not only did they illustrate then the Lord dying on a cruel cross as the goat that was slain for the sin offering, him taking the sins of the world upon him as was the goat that imputed it was the sins of the world. Not only is he seen in the two goats of Leviticus 16, but I believe wholeheartedly that the man Christ Jesus is seen in the fit man of Leviticus 16. Because we can't, we can't undermine the importance of the fit man in this picture because it was he that was ready that was timely and took that sin bearing goat away into the wilderness Christ died yes Christ was charged with our sins yes but Christ also took those sins away from us being likewise a picture of the fit man now if we can just concentrate on that fact him being an example for us that we should follow in his steps I can't relate with a goat maybe sometimes but I can relate with a man and he put then in the picture the idea of a fit timely opportune at hand man in that picture that I could follow and try to emulate being fit being ready being prompt being ready to involve I can follow his example because he was ready to engage hey man no doubt there was a whole lot of other men that was in that scenario and surrounding no doubt there were many that were even present but the qualifications were more than that it had to be one that was ready Sure, he may have been appointed to the task a year ahead of time, but you can be appointed to something and still not be ready. If you'll remember Old Testament scriptures and stories and uh, probably best seen in that of Ruth and Boaz, amen, that there was a nearer kinsman than Boaz that could have taken and bought the inheritance of Naomi and could have taken Ruth to be his wife, but he chose not to. You remember the scripture. But Boaz played the part of the near kinsman redeemer. Remember this, that there were three qualifications for a man to do this. Number one, he had to be a part of the family. Number two, he had to be able to pay the price. But in my opinion, and very important, number three, he had to be ready to pay the price. 
There's the difference in the having the ability to do and the doing. See, whenever we consider Jesus Christ, he came and he did not take upon the form of an angel, but he took upon the form of humanity like of Abraham. And therefore, he's a part of the family. And yes, he was able, if you will, to pay the price. But perhaps a very good earmark, a very good thing to recognize concerning the life of Christ. He was ready to pay the price. And so I patterned my life after his life. God, let me to be a man, yes. Let me be at hand and present, yes. But more than anything, God, let me be ready. Because the history of time would have been quite different had he been a part of the family, able to do, but not doing. Our lives, where we stand today, would be totally different if he was never ready to do what he had the ability to do. If you'll stand with me this morning, I want to be a fit man. A fit man. Fit man doesn't mean he's the richest man. Fit man doesn't mean he's the most athletic man. Fit man doesn't mean that that he is the tallest man. We get our ideas sometimes, you know, what a man is, and society paints pictures of what a man is. And I'm trying to tell you today what a man is. A man is a man, yes, that he's present, but he's also ready to involve, to engage, to take action. Say, I'm a father. We are, but let us be a ready father. Your father might be appointment because you had a baby, but be a ready father. Be a fit father. I'm a man. Some of you know that's a big thing. Well, boy, I'm a man. I hope you choke that pride down because it takes more than just being a man. <laughs> it takes more than the X and Y chromosome mix in your body you got to be ready let me tell you today our kids need us to be ready our wives need us to be ready the communities and neighborhoods in which we live need us to be ready your church there's much that hinge upon some ready men your church needs you to be ready will you just tell me when brother McGee and I'll be ready no 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 you need to be ready. And then I'll tell you when. You just got to be ready. We got to be ready. Because it's, it's waxing worse. If I can borrow from the story of the two-year-old boy, there's a whole lot more of children that's laying face down in a figurative pool today than there has been. And you know what's going on? There's some men present. They're standing around. They know where the problem is, but they're not doing anything about the problem. Oh, there's identification. There's something wrong. But let it be somebody else's responsibility. Let, let, let somebody else. We can't take that as men. Man, whenever we, whenever, whenever we see that there's a trouble spot within our home, our family, with our marriage, with our children, that's not for somebody else to take control of and deal with. Let the teachers, you know, the kids, just let the teachers take care of that. Oh, there's something wrong with my marriage. Well, let me go talk to my friend. You better just stay away from that one by all means. Let me talk with so-and-so and such and such. And we get this thing all work. No, you need to be a man.
be ready. Take responsibility for what's yours. Do whatever needs to be done. We need a fit man. If we can just bow our heads in this place. Amen. If we can come forward this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.